Lord, and I'm going to go several different directions, and I'm going to do everything in my power to squeeze it in before it gets too long. Sister Motes hits the remote horn on the truck like she's done before. Amen. Okay, that helps too. Praise the Lord. Uh, that would be my son. Praise God, he ought to know where I'm at by right now. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, that every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Also, I want to go to the book of Luke, chapter 17. I wrote this stuff down so fast, I didn't even get a chance to earmark my, my Bible which makes it a little faster. Verse 1 says, And he said unto the disciples, It is impossible that offenses will come. If you're easily offended, you're going to be in trouble. Jesus didn't say they might come. Part near good chance they might come. No. He said they will come. Offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It would be better, it were better for him that a millstone be hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn him again to thee, say, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And that is not the right scriptures. See how fast I went? Go with me to Matthew 15, verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. And he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Boy, this is a spiritual bunch. We're talking about some really folks that's close to Jesus. And they said what? Get rid of her. Send her away, for she crieth after us. He's getting on our nerves. Yeah. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then said, came she and worshipped him and saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread, and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. 
Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And tonight, I want to speak on the subject of increased faith. Increased faith. You may be seated. Brother, Brother Justin, come here, I want to get you to look up something for me. Again, I was studying very hard today, and I spent a good deal of time on it. Don't worry, one day we'll pull it out and use it. But it was not prudent for tonight. The Lord knows all things. He knew exactly who would be here. He knew who would be missing. And nonetheless, he has moved on my heart for something that I think that will be beneficial to you. I read to you out of Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 where Paul speaking saying, you know, you ought not to think more of yourself than you should. He said, but to every man is given a measure of faith. To every man is given a measure of faith. We all have what is basically described in Romans as a measure of faith, a certain degree of faith, a bare minimum, if you will, of faith. All of us have some degree of faith depending uh, on our life and how that we've lived and how that we live for the Lord or not or how long it's been. All of these things come into factors. But nonetheless, we all have a basic faith. A basic faith says, I have faith that when I drive on one side of that bridge, it'll stay up till I get to the other side. And I have faith that when I turn the key, the engine will roar to life. When I push on that horizontal pedal called the brake, my vehicle will stop. I have faith that it will stop even though I didn't put the brake system in. I didn't invent the brake system and all that goes with it. I didn't see them put it in. Chances are I'd have to struggle to find it today. Now, used to, a vehicle's pretty easy to figure out. You lift the hood and there it all is. But now they got it all covered up with gadgets and so on and so forth and government regulations and Small control, you can't figure out nothing about an engine anymore. Take it to the dealer. That's what they want you to do. Amen. But you have a measure of faith. Something that will service you at the very minimum. It will help you to a certain degree. And that degree of faith, that certain amount of faith that's given, will also cause you to believe that there is a God, to believe in His Word, believe what His Word said, and then to follow and obey the Scriptures to be able to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Basic faith 
a measure of the minimum is all that it takes for that kind of stuff. Brother, did you get what I was asking for? Would you stand and read that for us? <coughs> and what's the scripture reference? <coughs> I was almost there. Uh, go ahead and go ahead and read it for us. So here we find where that Jesus is talking to his disciples about offenses, difficult and thorny issues that are hard to understand at best. When somebody turns on you that you've trusted in maybe for years and suddenly without warning or without reason, they offend you. It's difficult to deal with. And if they continually do it, it makes it even more difficult. And Jesus was dealing with these difficult subjects. And after listening to what the Lord said, the disciples said, Oh, Lord, increase our faith. Now, you got to give them E for effort. They were honest. Some folks like to fake it until they make it. But the disciples here were very sincere. Lord, I'm struggling with this one. This is a hard one. But he said, what about, give me that verse 6 again. So Jesus, in response to their request, now remember, he's talking about difficult issues. And they're saying, Lord, we got to have more faith to be able to do what you said to do. And this is his response to that request. If you had a faith of a grain of a mustard seed. Now we understand a mustard seed is the smallest seed known to man. And he's not talking about a mustard seed. He's talking about the grain of a mustard seed. Just a little bit of snippet off of it. Go ahead. Uh-huh. They said, all you've got to do, <coughs> excuse me, is to have that little bit of the grain of the mustard seed of faith. And then you can do great things. Now, please find it interesting that in one verse they're saying increase our faith and in the next verse he's saying 
I'm going to talk about the very smallest grain of a seed that I can, and I'm not even going to give you the advantage of the whole seed. It's only a grain of that mustard seed. So instead of saying, well, I'll give you great faith and I'll have you to cause you to believe all kind of things, he said, all you got to have is just a little bit. Just a little bit. But oh, what difference that little bit makes. Now, we read to you of the Syrophoenician woman. Now, this woman took more abuse from the Lord than we ever would. Say amen, give a Methodist cough, a Baptist nod or something here, folks. Say, well, what are you talking about? Well, <clears throat> I've never had the Lord call me a dog. In fact, I've never told him, I've never heard him tell me to just leave him alone and it's not time for you right now. I've got other things to tend to. Maybe God's told you that. You're probably far ahead of me. Way out yonder somewhere. But I, I never experienced that of the Lord. This woman, she comes to the Lord with a desperate need. And with that desperate need, she, she begins to ask the Lord. First, she starts with, with the disciples. Why did she start with the disciples? Probably because they were easier to get to. And she starts asking them, oh, please pray for my daughter. She's in, in trouble. And, and maybe they start out being nice. You ever had folks get on your nerves? Well, that's amazing. Nobody's had certain people get on their nerves around here. That's amazing to me. You guys are special. I don't fit because folks get on my nerves from time to time. And... Nothing doing. They, they tried to be nice. You ever done that before? Oh, there's that certain person always just rooms you the wrong way. But you try to be nice. Boy, I ain't getting no amens at all. It's getting awful quiet up in here. You try to be nice, but nice won't get it. They're, you know, they don't, they don't understand nice. And so finally you have to just get almost rude. But even that was not enough for this woman. And so now they're getting on her last nerve. And she's, she just won't quit. She'd like to energize her bunny. Just keeps going and going and going. And so finally the disciple says, you know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to appeal to a higher power. We can't get rid of her. We can't be rude to her. She won't leave. I know what we'll do. We'll go to the Lord. He'll get rid of her. You ain't got to worry about that. He'll get rid of her. So they go, Lord, let's put this in Texas lingo. Get rid of her. She's worrying me to death. And then he answered, probably about like they expected. I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
Lady, you don't belong here. It's not your place. You've stepped out of your zone. And my purpose is different than what you're trying to accomplish here. And so she turned and went home, and that was the end of that story. Hmm? Is that what she did? What'd she do? Now, what does worship mean? She fell at the Lord's feet. She humbled herself in the sight of God. He just insulted her and told her, basically, you don't belong here. And she humbled herself in spite of that and worshiped him. And she said, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I know I don't belong, but I need your help. But he answered, don't you know the disciples said, yeah, buddy, you tell them, Jesus. But he answered and said, it is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. You know, about as low as she'd go. He just called her a dog. So it's not right for me to take what was deserving to the children, to take it out of the children's mouth and throw it down for the dogs to take care of. He was making a comparison. And she said in verse 27, well, if that's the way you're going to feel, I've had about all I can stand of this kind of junk. Is that the way it went? What was the first words out of her mouth? You're saying it right, Lord. You got that right. Boy, the disciples are really looking strange about now. They're kind of feeling, oh, what in the world is this woman doing? Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. You ever seen dogs try to eat what's left on the table? Come to my house. Old Benny, buddy. Son, he's the crumb master. If I happen to be eating in my chair and I let down my recliner and I get up, he's not watching me. He's watching the floor under my feet where the crumbs will fall off my pants onto the floor. And when I move to go to the kitchen, he moves to the area that I was just sitting. Dogs, this is what they do. It's a dog thing. And this woman brought this into focus. She said, I may be a dog. Let him fly, praise God. I may be a dog. Even the dogs have certain privileges. What was going on here? 
And this is what the Lord put in my heart. You want something supernatural from the Lord. You've got to leave that certain measure of faith. And you've got to move into the area of increased faith. And it's not easy to move into the increased faith area because trouble tries to push you down. And it's not designed to destroy you. It is designed to build your faith just like you ask God to do for you. And the whole time that Jesus is saying, I'm sorry, honey, you don't belong here, he was secretly hoping that really she'd go ahead and push on through. And when he called her a dog, he was thinking, come on, honey, you're almost there now. And something rose up in that woman. And she thought, well, you know what? I might be a dog, but I still got privileges at the master's house anyhow. And her faith was increased enough for the Lord to say, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. And the daughter was made whole the same Increased faith. Folks, you can't make it on the faith that you're just kind of plodding along. And you say, well, I need a good blessing to increase my faith. No, honey, that's not what's going to increase your faith. Opposition is what's going to increase your faith because it's going to harden your resolve. It's going to steal your resolve. Somebody needs to hear me. You need to steal your resolve and say, I don't care what they say or what they do. I've made up my mind. I've got to see it happen. I don't know when and I don't know how and I don't know where, but I know it's got to happen. Lord, pour it on. I've got to have all the faith I can get. Increased faith does not come from blessings. It doesn't come from a feel-good attitude. It comes from trouble, problems, thorny issues. Brother Charles, I hope I wrote this down right. Philippians 4.13, would you get it for me? I'm telling you, I wrote this stuff down so fast. I didn't want to be late for church. I thought, oh God, you got to help me. Go ahead, brother. Read it. I can do all things through Christ that increases my faith. And if I do not allow the process to continue, I can only do some things.
Well, honey, if you don't get it tonight, I'm sorry. I, I got it. I plugged in. If you don't let the process continue, then your faith can't increase. And you're back down to about where you were before. You're just at that minimum level, just barely getting by. Just barely going to squeeze through. Somehow I'll make it. Oh, Lord, the devil's been on my back all week long. Bless his holy name. Y'all pray for me that I'll be able to make it through the pearly gates one lonely day. Hold the fort, for I am coming. Jesus, whisper still, wave the answer back to heaven by thy grace. We will tell it's not one of my favorite hymns because it's so negative. Oh, God. You're looking at everything totally wrong. Man, if I can just hit that mountaintop, I'm going to climb that mountain, and then if I can ever hit the mountaintop, oh, there's going to be glory of God, and, and I, my faith is going to increase. No, that's not faith. That's just simply enjoying the blessings of God. Your faith increases through struggle. Second Kings chapter 4. There's several verses here, so I'm going to be reading uh, as, as fast as I can for the sake of time. Verse, uh, let's go with verse 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, and there was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. Now, what does it mean, great woman? It means a faithful woman, a woman that was close to God and loved God very much. That's a great woman. And she constrained him to eat bread. In other words, she had to twist his arm a little bit. Constrain means to force. He kept saying, oh, that's all right, sister. You don't have to do that. Knowing all the while he wanted to, but you know how it goes. Oh, sister, you don't have to do that. Well, it's not no problem. Why don't you just come on down here, uh, Brother Elisha? Just come on down to the house. Oh, I don't want to put you guys out. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in Texas. I don't want to put you all out. Sorry, I lived in the Midwest for nine years. And it was you guys and soda pop and that kind of thing. <clears throat> but finally she talked him into it because she was a great woman. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in there that he'd bread. He kind of got to where he liked her cooking. Nothing wrong with that. I like to turn in old Brother Charles' house every once in a while. Not that he cooks that good, but Sister Teresa does. 
And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes by continually. <clears throat> That's what made her a great woman. Let us make little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool, a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. Well, he already been turning in thither. That's probably what the husband said. You know, they're always that way. But he's already turning in thither, honey. Well, you don't get it. I want him to turn in thither and stay for a day or two. And you know what? This is coming out of our pocket. We're going to do this because we love this man. And we're going to spend money on an extra room. And we ain't going to just give him an empty room say, well, help yourself. Hope you got something to sleep with. We're going to furnish it all the way throughout. And it fell on a day that he came thither. And guess what he did? He turned into the chamber and lay there. He said, Gehazi's servant, call this Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him. He said unto him, say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done to, with thee? Wouldest thou be spoken to for the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. No need for all that trouble. Not a problem. I'm good. And he said, what is then to be done for? A preacher wouldn't give up. They're stubborn like that. They're a stubborn lot, them preachers are. <clears throat> so what's to be done for? And the only time I find where Gehazi actually had the right answer. Any other time, <sighs> he had the knowledge of a lizard, I think. It just, you know, there wasn't much there. And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when she called her, she stood at the door, and he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And he said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thy handmaid. And that right little statement right there came back to haunt her later. Don't forget that statement. We'll revisit it in a minute. And the woman conceived and bare a son that at that season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. End of story. Everybody was happy to live happily ever after. No, we're just now starting the story. Even though there's a little symbol at verse 18. It's a backwards P meaning it's a new thought. It ain't really. It's the same thing. And when the child was grown, and it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, My head, my head. And he said on the lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon. And there's the hard part. She's rocking him, never dreaming that this would be the last day. Oh, baby, it'll be all right. She did everything she could. Don't know what it was, sunstroke, aneurysm, who knows, something in the head. And he died. And she went up, laid him in a tomb, and said, well, that's that. I guess I'll just have to be happy that I had those two years with him. 
Is that, huh? Is that the way that story goes? Well, then what did she do with that child? The first thoughts to her mind. We're going to see the man of God about this one. And she laid him upon the, man, the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. Corpse laying on the preacher's bed. And she shuts the door, hoping that the summer heat will not make their baby stink too bad until she can get a hold of God. She called her husband. <clears throat> Brethren, you'll enjoy this. She said, send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, why are you going today? It ain't new moon, it ain't Sabbath, it ain't Sunday, it ain't Wednesday, it ain't, it ain't prayer meeting. Why do you want to go today? And she says, oh, honey, I, I meant to tell you, Junior died. She didn't tell him he was dead. She just said, it shall be well. That's why she was a great woman. She saddled an ass and went to her servant, drive and go forward and slack not thy riding from me. Remember, this woman was of some age. But yet she said, don't you slack up. You get a full gallop until I tell you. So she went and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass that the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi's servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. God remembers the faithful even from a distance. He knows who you are. He knows everything about you. And I don't know how many years it had been. I mean, we go from a child in infancy to a child that's old enough to say, My head, my head. Uh, I don't know. Some tend to think that he was about 12 or so, maybe a little less. So it had been several years, but yet he recognized her from a distance. Yonder's that Shunammite woman. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her far off. I already read that. Verse 26, now run now, I pray thee, to meet her and, she, and say unto her. Now this was, uh, this was a salutation. This is commonly what we would do. Everything all right with you guys? How y'all doing? How's the family? Everything all right? If you haven't seen somebody in a little while. In the south, it could be the next day. How you doing? You don't really want to know, but you know, it's nice to say that. Well, I've had this crick in my leg here, and I'm hurting over here, and I do. I go to the, now, you don't really want to hear that, but that's the salutation custom. And so he turned to Gehazi I said, go down and give her a salutation, basically. So he goes down there. And he says, is it well with thine husband? Is it well with thee? Is it well with the child? And she said, it's well. Excuse me? It's well. With the child? It's well. He may be a corpse right now on the preacher's bed, but he, it's still well. That's why she was a great woman. 
all of this stuff is beating her down, beating her down. She has a desperation for a miracle. The miracle that was already given to her has now died. She needs the miracle to come back to life and have a second miracle. But everything's beating her down. And so finally, when she came to the man of God at the hill, she came by and caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came there to thrust her away. Good old Gehazi, you can count on him in a pinch. And the man of God says, let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Sometimes God doesn't tell the pastor what you're going through. You might think, well, he knows why he's doing something. How come he ain't trying to help me? Maybe he doesn't know, because God has deemed this battle for you. Then she said, verse 28, Please compare verse 28 to the latter part of verse 16. Then she said, the first words out of her mouth to the man of God, Oh, preacher, you've got to come. i got a dead baby on my hands. What did she say? She said the very words of doubt that came out of her mouth when it was promised to her in the beginning in verse 16. Did I not say? Do not deceive me. Preacher, you weren't truthful with me. Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up the loins, take up the staff in thine hand and go thy way. And basically he says, don't salute anybody. Don't do any salutations. If they meet you, don't, don't respond back. You go right on because you're urgent. You can't afford to stop it every little time someone crosses your road. And that's what they would do when they were traveling on foot. They would stop every time somebody come by and give a salutation. So don't do all that. You've got, a problem. You've got an issue to deal with. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. Interesting she would say this, Brother Jace, because these are the same words that Elisha said to Elijah, the very same words. And it's almost like Elisha going to say something. She said, oh, no, as the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And something jarred his memory. Uh-oh, this is the thing that I said. Ain't a thing I can do about this one. All it said was, and he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff on the face of the child. Gehazi thought that the staff had magical power. Gehazi truly thought that the child would come to life when Gehazi put the staff on him. Say, so, well, how do you know that? Well, the rest of it gives us a strong clue to that fact. But there was neither voice nor hearing. And wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child's not awake. Did what you told me to do. Ain't no miracle today. Still a corpse. Starting to stink a little too. But here we see, I'm going to show you something. I've read all these verses to bring you to this point in the story. And when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. Just as Gehazi said. And he went in, therefore, now listen closely to what he does. It's important that you catch this. 
And he went in, therefore, and shut the door upon them twain, him and the corpse, and prayed unto the Lord. Good idea. Why was he praying? He needed more faith. I've already sent the staff. Staff didn't do nothing. So now I'm praying. And he went up. Listen, listen closely as we go through these verses. Verse 34. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth. I don't care who you are. That's going to be kind of tough to do with a corpse. He laid his mouth upon his mouth. And apparently that child, she left that child with his eyes still open. His eyes upon his eyes, staring into the eyeballs of a dead child. Just a dead stare. And his hands upon his hands. And stretched himself upon the child. And the flesh of the child waxed warm. What does that mean? Does a miracle begin? No. You lay on something long enough, it'll get warm. Even a cold corpse. But here he is. You need to move, God. I need more faith. Now verse 35, the first three words, let me know this man was having a little bit of trouble. What's the first three words? That means that after he got doing the stretching business, and nothing happened. He figured about do some more praying. The opposition was strong. He's got a dead body, and he's got a bitter mama. And he wants to show God to be true. But God ain't talking. God's not doing anything. He returned and walked to in the house to and fro. What do you think he's doing? Pacing and praying. And he went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times. And the child opened his eyes. Here's the story in a story. There was a miracle that needed to happen. But yet the faith that Elisha had, and he had a lot of faith, was not up to par to what was necessary for this miracle to occur. But Brother Charles, there's one thing about this story. He didn't give up. Gehazi gave up when he got to the door and the staff didn't work. But Elisha just wouldn't give up. A lot of times we miss the true moving of the Spirit of God because we don't feel it. We don't feel it. 
oh, I've got to have goosebumps hanging on my back before I'll know that God's going to do something. No, chances are you're going to feel frustration. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You're going to feel frustration just like Elisha felt. You're going to feel the, that you're going to hear the words of the enemy saying it ain't going to happen. Don't you know you've already tried that once before? Don't you know you've already stretched on that child before? Don't you know you've laid the stamp on that child already? What else do you think you can do? But he had to have an increase of faith. Something had to increase before God's will could be accomplished. How many times have we missed the will of God because we thought opposition was our answer? No, opposition was the catalyst to bring us to the miracle, to increase our faith, to get us where we need to go. I hope you don't just let this roll off of you. My God. I don't know whether I want to open the rest of this or not. Oh, God. We come to the house of the Lord. And we, we feel the presence of God. and That's all fine and good. That's what you're supposed to do. But what about the times you don't feel the presence of God? What are you doing then? Pastor, you need to hurry. You're cutting it on my beauty rest. I come to church without supper and all the dogs are barking. In fact, they're howling. Come on with it, Pastor. Are you done yet? Could it be that you're at the cusp of what God has called you to do? The great things, the awesome things, the miracle. And the opposition is actually building and strengthening your faith a little at a time. I was in conversation, and this is what actually spurred me to teach this tonight. I was in conversation with my dad just for, uh, I had to get off the phone real fast and, oh, get this down. He was talking about something completely different, and then he says, you know, he said, do you have the works of Josephus? I said, Dad, I think I do. I, I don't know if I still do or not, but if you don't, you need to get it. It's good. It's a, Josephus is a historian, a Jewish historian from I don't know how far back, but it's ways back. And uh, most of his stuff, if not all of it, is considered reliable. And so he gives you a third point of view of biblical things and biblical events. And... He tells the story of Moses and the Israelites fleeing from Egypt. And they're at the Red Sea. And reports have already been gotten that the army's coming. And they're staring at a Red Sea. They don't know how to get across. 
And Josephus tells the story for truth that Moses prayed a prayer that's not recorded in Scripture. And the essence of that prayer was this. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this, but if it's necessary, you can make all of us fly across this sea. Now, you want to know pressure? Put yourself in Moses' shoes. He's got approximately a million and a half people lined up behind him. And a lot of them are as carnal as a cowboy boot. Sorry about that, Brother Jace. And they're already grumbling. But yet Moses is saying, God, all of this trouble that's behind me and pushing me is causing me to believe for something greater. I believe if necessary you can cause 1.5 million people to become just like flies and they can fly across the sea to the other side. Now you know the rest of the story, how that the wind blew all night. Why was it blowing all night? Well, there was a couple of reasons. One was to divide the waters where they would stand just like God wanted them to. But there was another reason that was even seemed to be insignificant. But yet God did it because of Moses' faith. He had such tremendous faith in spite of all of the... That's why do you think that the Lord caused Moses to have to go stand before the Pharaoh? And, and go through all of that stuff he was building his faith he was increasing his faith we just think it's just one of them things no honey it's the process he's building his faith and when he gets to the Red Sea he says God if necessary you'll fly us across but the wind blew all night not just to divide the waters but so they wouldn't have to tromp through the muck and mire of the mud because they drew, the wind dried out the land where they could walk across on dry land. So well, my, my miracle and what I need from God, it's, it's so... No. No, it's not. Are you troubling? Are you troubled with opposition? This mic's still on. You didn't shut me off, did you, bro? I said, are you troubled with, with, with problems? Is there opposition in your world right now? Are you finding yourself hard to be able to make one step in front of the other? Congratulations. I got good news for you. God's building your faith. He's building and increasing your faith. God is doing it because great increased faith is necessary to see what you need to see. And so God does the work. I can't explain God. But I can tell you one thing. He knows how to take something bad and turn it into something good. But we're too busy looking at our measure of faith. And then we look at our problem. And then we look at all the opposition. 
this ain't going to happen, God. I've got this measure of faith that you gave me. It's the bare, bare spanking minimum. That's all I got. And what little I got, I'm going to hang on to it because opposition is liable to rest it away. You're looking at it all wrong, friend. The opposition is going to strengthen your resolve. You want to see it grow in church? Quit listening to the lies of the devil. Oh, this ain't going to ever grow. Folks ain't interested. You know, they're too busy caught up in this and that. You know what you need? You need increased faith. You could learn a lot from the devil. When he tells you it ain't going to happen, turn it around. He's lying. Come on, somebody. Turn it around. He's been lying to you again. Are you surprised? Okay. Where's the time go? I'm going to have to kill that clock. Oh, Lord. Just most don't hit the horn, please. Not yet. Luke 8. Verse 22. And it came to pass on a certain day, he went into a ship with his disciples and said unto them, Let us go to the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. Boy, you know, they probably remembered those words later on. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. The reason he fell asleep is found in Scripture. He had spent all night after healing Peter's mother-in-law, and they brought all manner of sick people, people full of the devil, and he delivered them all. But he was human. The humanity was exhausted, so he fell asleep. And there came a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. But it, they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Another story of this same passage says, Master, do you care that we're going to die? Care us not that we die or we perish. Don't you even care? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And then he rebuked something else. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? They had enough faith to see him do all the miracles. But, Brother Charles, let's be honest. They didn't have faith to believe God would do it through them. And that's what the Lord was trying to prepare them for. You believe God can do miracles? Yeah, I believe God can do miracles. Just don't involve me. I'm not too good at that sort of thing. Nobody said you heal anybody. 
But it takes your faith and not that measure of faith either. It takes great faith and increased faith. Where does the increased faith come from again? Trouble. Opposition. That's why a lot of people don't have great faith. They don't want to deal with the trouble. Matthew 14, verse 23. Oh, Jesus. I feel the Lord so so strong here. We've already read that one, so we'll just go right on. John 11. Verse 32. Then when Mary was come to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet and said, Lord, I'm so glad you're here. Thank God. Lazarus will now soon be alive. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. And I may not understand it, but I sure am glad you're here. She whined like most of us probably would do. Somebody said, would you like a little cheese with that wine? They whined. She whined. Oh, how, how, is that, how would this go? Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. What was she really saying, Sister Teresa? It's your fault. How's that for a greeting? Hey, Jesus, this is your fault. You killed my brother. If you hadn't been lollygagging around, we sent you word well ahead of time. And you tarried. Read the rest of the story. You tarried. You, you fooled around. If you'd have heard of him got here, when we first sent word, this would have never happened. It's all your fault. He's dead because of you. Well, you might say that's a great deal of faith. Huh? And when Jesus saw her weeping, and then he turns around and sees the Jews also weeping and came with her, uh, he uh, groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He wasn't groaning in the spirit because of Lazarus. He knew what was going to happen there. It's going to be a great day. That wasn't why he wept. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And then we have the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Behold how he loved him. There they are again trying to figure out what's going on. They don't have a clue. I mean, they're totally they're 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 totally out of it. They don't understand what's going on here. What was really going on here? Jesus in his flesh, our perfect example, 
was increasing his faith, and he was allowing the troublesome people around him to actually build and strengthen the faith that it was going to happen. Could not this man, which had opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this should not have died? Verse 38, Jesus therefore again, what? Groaning in himself, cometh to the grave, and a stone lay on it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister, oh boy, this is good. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said, Lord, you know, I got a little pride here. Last is going to be stinking because it's been four days. The Jews believed that the spirit of a man would, would encircle around and hover near for three days. That's what the Jews believed. And the reason they believed three days is because of the putrefaction process. Once the body began to decay, then it was impossible for the spirit to re-enter that body and for it to come back to life. Jesus intentionally waited until the putrefaction process had started. Not only did Lazarus come to life, he got all new innards. He got new kidneys. He got new lungs. He got a new heart, new intestines, everything. You just name it, he got it. But yet... Here he's got another negative person, Martha, the one that set his feet, heard all of his lessons. You reckon she learned anything? Doesn't look like it. And Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, you would see the glory of God? Yeah, the great resurrection, I'm sure you will. What? You know, sometimes God tries to encourage us, and we're just too busy being in the down to mouth. Well, God, you just don't understand. Well, how stupid an answer is that? He understands. Problem is, you don't understand him. And then they took away the stone where the dead was laid, and lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee thou hast heard me. Again, he's showing his submission to God, the flesh. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. There wasn't no faith around that joint. And when he thus spoke, and he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. You know the rest of that story. One last passage of Scripture is found in John chapter 9, excuse me, Mark chapter 9. Get my books right here. Verse 14. And when he had come to his disciples, <clears throat> excuse me, he saw a great multitude about them and scribes questioning them. Now, what was going on there is that was when that son of the demonic, excuse me, the father demonic, had his son, had his son that was demonic was trying to get the disciples to deliver him of these spirits that he was possessed of. The rest of the scripture bears this out. 
and they couldn't do it. Why couldn't they do it? Well, a couple of reasons. One of them, Jesus said, because I'm still here. That was one reason. The other reason was because their faith was not where it should be. You see, as long as Jesus was in person on the earth, they'd always depend on looking and, and being in his presence and all this kind of stuff. But when he's gone, that's where the purpose kicks in. And that's why Jesus said that. Now, let's, let's read this real quickly and we'll go home. Verse 14. Verse 15, and straightway all the people, when they beheld him, they were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. Now, we understand that, what that means. Jesus, so good to see you. How are you doing? Everything good and all this kind of stuff. And he asked the scribes, what question are you with them? He knew the scribes were up to no good. A lot of times, much education hath made thee mad. Nothing wrong with education as long as you're in the right direction. Uh, the scribes, you know, they could read and write, and most, most of the masses couldn't. And so they had a little problem. And uh, one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my, my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Meaning that he couldn't speak. Wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. I spake with thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. First disappointment. It's tough enough to have a son acting like that. And then somehow or another you're going to gather up the courage to bring him down there where everybody, all the neighbors is around, all your friends are there. And you're going to ignore all of that, and you're going to bring them down there. And, oh, wait a minute. I can't get to Jesus, but there's his disciples. They ought to be able to take care of this one. In Jesus' name. Sorry, kid. It won't happen today. So his faith was already beaten and bruised. But you see, God was building this man's faith. Verse 19, and he answered at him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground, wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, how long ago is since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. That was that faith coming through. Even though his faith was battered by the disappointment of what the disciples couldn't do and what the scribes were saying, he said, if there's anything you can do, help us. Jesus said, If thou canst believe all things are possible, then the believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out, Lord, was said with tears, Lord, I believe. But I'm having a little bit of trouble. That's honesty. That's all God needs. You see, his faith was at an all-time low. All the opposition around him says, Ain't going to happen today, bub. It's just not going to happen. Lord, I believe, but I'm struggling. 
When Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the foul spirit and said, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. You know the rest of the story. Great faith was necessary in each of these stories that I read to you. But yet each one of them were filled with opposition just before it occurred. Do you see that happening here? This is, I'll be honest with you, I've never seen that before. Until God showed this to me today. Maybe you guys are just way out there ahead of me. But I've never quite seen it like that before. Uh, you know, before great things happened, there was great opposition just at the cusp of it. And if you're not careful, the devil's hoping that you'll misinterpret what's going on. When what the devil meant for evil, God is meeting it for good. And all the trouble that's being thrown at you and all the fiery darts that's been attacking you, they're a sign and a signification that God is strengthening your faith. He's increasing your faith. And there will come a time very soon that that faith will be exercised and the great thing will happen. Increased faith. Well, Brother Moses, I got faith. Sure, that's no big deal. Everybody's got a measure of it. Could it we be the, that we apostolics, we operate on the measure of faith more often than we care to admit? And when the trouble and the struggle comes, we just kind of, using the Texas lingo here, hunker down. Until it all passes over. Oh, hallelujah. My Lord, have mercy. What great things that you could see if you could just quit misunderstanding and misinterpreting the, the way things that God has got it set up. Stand with me tonight. So how exactly does the Lord increase my faith? First of all, I draw as close to God as I possibly can every single day. And when it gets worse, I don't back off. And when trouble comes, and it will, because Jesus said offenses will come. When they come, not if they come, when they come, allow them to build that faith, the strength in your resolve where you become strong. Stories told of a missionary, and I'm closing. I've probably told it before, but you know. Missionary down in South America. He uh, was having a little trouble. The mission work wasn't doing too good, and it was kind of coming ground to a halt. And finally told his wife, said, don't bother me. I'm going in that bedroom, and I'm shutting the door, and it's just going to be me and the Lord. I don't want nobody bugging me right now. And so he goes and closes the door behind him. He goes into prayer. There's a knock on the door. And uh, they inquired about the minister, was he there? And well, I said, well, yeah, he's here. Well, we really need him. 
before pastor's minister's wife had to go and knock on that door. And of course, he'd come to the door. I thought I told you to leave me alone. I'm trying to, trying to pray. Honey, there's somebody here who says they need you. What do you need? Well, I've got a son. He's mentally deranged. He's so bad off that we had to put him in a fenced yard in the back and let him live out in the backyard because we couldn't let him come in the house. He's so messed up in the mind. Would you come and pray for him? Now put yourself in his shoes. Now where's your faith? He got himself together and went out there. They said, Where, where's he at? She said, go right outside that door right there. And he said, well, let me out. And they let him out, and he stepped into the backyard, and they shut the door behind him and locked it. Nice. And uh, that guy saw him, started running, lunging toward him. He thought, should I speak to him in Spanish? The Lord says, the devil knows English. Speak to the devil. And he rebuked that devil in Jesus' name. And that devil came out of that man. He became filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, increasing our faith. You see, the minister, he's having trouble. The church is just not doing just what it should. And there's this issue and that issue. And it's got his spirit troubled and his spirit down. And he's struggling. So he says, oh, God, I've got to do something. So he goes into the room to pray. But yet there's still there's interruptions and all this kind of stuff. What God was doing to that man of God was building his faith, increasing his faith through tribulation. I'll say it to you again. Tribulation is your friend. It will increase your faith, if you'll let it. Let's thank the Lord for his word. Dear Lord Jesus.